I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 108 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey friends, it's Sarah, host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast, and I am truly so excited for today's episode. Today feels like kind of a big, a big deal because I got to sit down with one of my best in real life friends and fellow literacy lover, Eileen Clausen. And the reason why this was like such a fun interview for me is because Eileen was actually my very first podcast guest way back in January of 2021, and it was episode number six. And so I cannot believe that that was like over 100 episodes ago. During that very first interview, she talked all about how to master guided reading during distance learning, which is also crazy to think about. At one point, we were talking all about distance learning. So even though most of y'all are back to teaching in person, thank goodness, that episode is still jam-packed with a lot of tips and suggestions that will help you with in-person small group lessons. So if you enjoy today's conversation, definitely go back and give episode six a listen. Now, Eileen is a literacy expert and fellow curriculum creator, and she really does have a ton of knowledge about all things related to literacy, but especially related to fluency. And Eileen and I talk on Voxer pretty much every single day, and it's usually asking questions or sharing little nuggets or books that we're reading. We're just constantly talking about all things related to literacy. We geek out over anything related to reading and writing. But the reason why I wanted to have her back on the podcast is because she truly is a fluency expert. She has an entire product line dedicated to fluency. She just created a course for teachers all about fluency and has a ton of knowledge. She is like one of my go-to people if I have a fluency-related question. And I've actually had a lot of teachers ask me for ideas, strategies, resources, anything related to fluency. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring Eileen back on the podcast so she can share her best fluency tips. And y'all, you will not be disappointed with this interview. It truly is fantastic and just filled with so many practical suggestions that you can start using today. And these are things that you can do in all parts of your reading block that are going to help your students grow in the area of fluency. So I truly hope you enjoy this conversation all about fluency. Teaching literacy is tough. 
but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no-fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi, Eileen. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me back on here. I'm so excited. I am so excited. So for those of you who are maybe new listeners, Eileen was actually my very first podcast guest that I had. You came on and talked all about, and this was like back in like the middle of the pandemic, and you talked about how to do like guided reading online. And it was such a great interview. So if you are new and missed that one, definitely go back. We'll link to it in the show notes. But I'm so excited because today Eileen and I are going to be talking all about fluency and the importance of focusing on fluency in upper elementary. But in case my audience isn't familiar with you, can you go ahead and give yourself just a little brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am a literacy specialist who worked originally with primary kids only, but then I expanded to all elementary. So I really got to know how to work with the upper, you know, third through fifth grade students that I had zero experience with prior to. And now I run my business, which includes TPT and my blog and everything else that is all about working with readers at the elementary level. And Eileen is one of like, I mean, we're good friends in real life, but we definitely have the like literacy bond. I feel like it's at least a couple of times a week, if not every single day that we're like messaging each other being like, hey, have you read this book? Or have you read this article? Or what do you think about this? Or I'm working on this resource. So she's got a brilliant literacy brain. And I'm super excited that you get to share a little bit of it with my audience today. So we're going to talk about fluency. And this is actually a question that has come up a lot, both in my membership from members and questions that I've gotten from teachers on Instagram. And that is how to support upper elementary students in the area of fluency. And before we get into like the, you know, wonderful nitty gritty, like suggestions and all those practical tips, can we kind of define what fluency is? Yes, absolutely. So fluency, simply stated, is the ability to read with speed, accuracy, and expression. And I love that definition because it is very, like you said, simply stated. And I think, I know for me, at least when I was in, when I was in the classroom, I started off as a lower elementary teacher. And I remember being a second grade teacher. And I think we used the Dibbles assessment. And I remember it was like, speed was the focus. And I think so many teachers have either like this, I don't know if it's like a misconception or just sort of like think that like speed is fluency, like fluency and speed are the same thing, but there's so much more. Why do we need to make sure that like when we think of fluency, that we don't just consider speed, but that we're actually paying attention to the accuracy and expression as well? Why are those important elements of fluency? Yeah. So unfortunately, that's exactly it. We, as an education world, we're basically taught like, okay, they have to get their score to this much, you know, this many words per minute. And then that only that became the sole focus of fluency, but fluency has so many more aspects to it. And it really is like when students can be successful with accuracy, their comprehension is improving when they can successfully read a text and add expression, it becomes more interesting. So there's so many more aspects to it than what has just been put out there. So it's a matter of getting teachers and students to see like, You can be a fluent reader who reads at a really great pace. That's awesome. But there's so many more things that you have to be able to put together 
to actually be reading well. I feel like fluency is kind of like that link that like ties everything together. Because like you mentioned, it's like, if you're going to be a fluent reader, you've got a much greater chance of being able to comprehend and understand what it is that you're reading. And I even remember, it's like, I had students that were fast readers, but like, they didn't pause at at punctuation. They didn't use expression. They just, I mean, they could read every word, but they read fast. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're like, we're missing the point here. So I love that it's just like expression and accuracy are such important parts of fluency as well. So, okay, why is fluency something that we need to focus on, especially in upper elementary? I feel like, I don't know, in some cases, fluency is like, okay, focus on that in like lower elementary, but like, why do upper elementary teachers need to care about fluency? Yeah. So one of the things with fluency is like we talked about with accuracy, that becomes like a focus very, very heavily in the primary grades, right? Because you're trying to get kids to learn how to decode and they're applying it to all these different words. The words get more difficult, but that still is something that needs to be focused on upper elementary. So if students still need to improve their ability to decode accuracy, which is one aspect of fluency is huge. You still need students to be able to actually take a multiple syllable word or, you know, ones that have prefixes and suffixes that they're learning, and you need them to be able to break it down, but you want them to do it in a quick enough manner that they're not suddenly reading one, you know, word <laughs> at a time. So you, when you focus on fluency in the upper elementary grades, it might be partially still focusing on that actual accuracy piece, but you're also getting them to become better at comprehending, and you're getting them to actually be reading with confidence, which All of those things are huge to making kids want to be like lifelong readers. You want them to have the joy of being a reader. So if they're struggling with accuracy, if they're struggling with understanding the text, they're not actually going to want to pick up a book and read it. So really, our ultimate goal is to get kids to read well, understand it and be like, yay, I can't wait to read the next book. So it really becomes that bridge between getting kids to decode the words and comprehend and put it all together where they're then throwing an expression, they're throwing and reading smoothly, they're reading at a natural pace. So fluency is all encompassing of making this, these kids good readers. And that's so important in the upper elementary grades, just like it is in primary. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love so many of the things that you said, but especially this idea that like, we want our students to feel like they're confident readers. And I think especially if students in upper elementary have had a history of struggling with reading or struggling with decoding, then it's like they they don't have a lot of confidence. But if we can, you know, help them both read accurately and, you know, quickly and with expression, that can develop the confidence, which then in turn leads to enjoyment, which will in turn lead to like motivation and reading more. I love that. And I hopefully, hopefully my audience is getting excited now because we're about to get to like the good stuff. But before you share, I know you have five ways that teachers can support students in upper elementary with fluency. But before we get into that, I always say that you're like my fluency expert. And anytime I've got like a fluency question, I'm like, okay, Eileen's going to know the answer to this, or she can at least like confirm my thinking. How did fluency become such an important part or sort of like an important pillar in your, you know, literacy instruction? Like what's your own personal fluency journey? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for calling me a fluency expert because, you know, that's like super, super high praise coming from you, my literacy like guru. So I love it. Yeah, I am super passionate about fluency. And I have been honestly, probably since my, it was probably like my third year being a reading specialist, because I was the teacher who had to sit out in the hall, taking one kid out at a time to progress monitor them. And these kids would get through, I mean, it was, you know, one of the big name companies that does the passages that they're supposed to use. And I was like, they would barely get past the third word on the first line. And they're, they're looking at this full page 
they would get so frustrated and like stare at me like uh, the timer went off and I was like, oh, okay, we'll try again next week. And I felt just, I mean, it just like hurt my read teacher heart. Like I was like these poor kids. So I was like, okay, I need to do something to make them feel successful and to make them actually improve their ability to read fluently. So that's when it became like my huge like focus and passion. I started adding like all sorts of things into our small group time to make it part of our daily focus so that they could then grow as confident readers and actually be able to get past that fourth word in the passages that, you know, you're required to use as a teacher. I don't fault anyone for like following the rules of what, you know, your curriculum provides or, you know, what your district tells you have to do. But it's really then figuring out what else can you do to help your students read fluently. So I like attached to it and ran with it. (laughs) I love it. Well, I'm so glad you did because I know you have knowledge that helps so many teachers in turn help their students with fluency. So now we're getting to like the good stuff here. Okay. So I know you have five ways that teachers can support upper elementary students with fluency. So where are we going to begin? What can teachers who are listening do if they want to give fluency a little more focus? Okay, well, good news. I am someone who likes to keep things simple and likes (laughs) to make it as like applicable to your daily life as it is so that you're not like, ah, now I have to focus on fluency. So we're going to start with the easiest one, which is teacher modeling. And this can be done through your daily read aloud. So I'm guessing if you listen to Sarah's podcast, you are someone who reads aloud to your students still, no matter what grade they're in. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) This isn't something that you're all of a sudden like, oh no. But your daily read aloud can just be it doesn't even have to be intense. It can just be like, okay, today when I'm reading, I want you guys to listen to how I use expression while I'm reading. So you're just going to explain to students what it is that you're focusing on. So then in their brain, they're now listening for like, oh, she was sounding like that character there or like, watch how I pause at punctuation. And I love doing like examples and non-examples. So like read a page without being fluent and then say like, now I'm going to read it again. And I want you to hear the difference. So like, it doesn't take more time out of your day for your daily read aloud to be focused on fluency. It's just literally taking 20 seconds of your read aloud to be like, okay, now listen to me do it like this. And then have students, you know, turn to each other and say like, oh, I noticed how she did that. And it's also important just to use like a variety of genres when you're doing that. Like if you include how you can read fluently when it's nonfiction, because you're seeing like bold words and you're reading the captions, whatever it is, like you can apply it to like whatever it is that you're reading aloud to students and just throw in a little like fluency focus. And then students start to hear it more and more that it then becomes more natural for them to want to mimic you. I love that. And yeah, I think especially something with fluency, it's like teachers, we don't want to give them, it's like, now you have to add in this fluency block, but it's like, no, you can make it a focus with whatever you're doing. And of course, I love that you're like, you can do this with a variety of genres because, you know, I'm all about encouraging teachers to explore that. But I think even so, it's like not only a variety of genres, but like any text you're reading, whether it is a picture book or a novel, or if you're doing a passage for test prep or an article, whatever it is that you're reading, you can use that to model fluency. And yeah, like you said, that takes no time. I think it's just a matter of like knowing. And you might get to this. So if I'm like, you know, jumping ahead, be like, hey, we're going to get there. But I, I know you gave like the example of notice how I'm sounding like this character or notice how I'm like pausing at this punctuation. Do you have any suggestions for like, Or are there sort of like big main categories? Like if a teacher wants to focus on fluency, but they're not 100% sure, like, what do I even need to highlight with like my own modeling? Like, what are some things that like, or those like talking points that a teacher can say, these are things that I want you to pay attention to while I'm reading. Because I think like, if I think back to when I first started with fluency, I'm like, I'm supposed to read quickly, (laughs) you know, but it's like more than that. So how can teachers know like what to highlight when they're modeling to students? 
Yeah. So I always think of fluency as having five main aspects. So that's going to be accuracy, expression, pace, smoothness, and then reading for meaning. I always include reading for meaning because we know that's really the end goal. So if you're focusing on accuracy, I want you, you're going to say something like, oh, I want you to listen to how I'm going to break down this word while I'm reading. So it's literally like everything that you'd be, you want students to be thinking and doing, you're just going to say aloud. So it's something as simple as that, like, this word is a little tricky. I'm going to try it first. And then I'm going to go back and read the sentence again. And this time I'm going to read it with expression. Notice how I'm now adding an emphasis. Um, you know, let's say it was like a question. Notice how my voice is changing because someone's asking a question in the story or like pace, you know, saying like, listen to me read today. You're going to see that I do not zoom through the text, even though I can read this really well. I can read the sentence super, but I'm going to take my time to go through it. So it sounds more natural. I want to sound like I'm speaking when I'm reading. And then just another one would be, now I'm going to focus on comprehension while I'm reading. So as I'm going through this, I'm really going to be thinking about who are the characters? What are they doing? What's going to happen next? So you're trying to get them to really just, I mean, it's simple things that you're most likely saying already in your small group. So that kind of thing, but really emphasizing it. So I always say like fluency focus of the day. So like you could have it written up there, like today we're focusing on accuracy. Let's review what accuracy is. And then let's go ahead and focus on it while I read today. I love that. And I, I think you said there's five and it's like, they could almost have like a fluency focus of the day for every day of the week. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, okay. I love that. Super simple, really practical. Incorporate fluency as you model your daily read aloud. What else do you have? Okay. So next up, small groups. Everyone does small groups. Again, if you're listening to Sarah, you most likely do small groups. So your small groups now, the only difference that you're going to do is again, you're going to narrow down the focus to that specific group. So you can do this a few different ways. You can focus on, let's say like every group's gonna focus on accuracy first. And then when you have students who are in a group that are ready to like move beyond accuracy, they've got it, then you're gonna focus on their natural pace. And then you're gonna move on and have them focus on using expression. So it's again, just a matter of saying like, I'm gonna show you a quick model. We're gonna go through one sentence that you're gonna see in your text today. And I'm going to read it this way. So again, it's what you've already known and done in your daily read aloud, but now you're applying it to your small group. So then kids, again, are focusing and they're listening, but it's at a smaller scale. And then you're going to say, when you're reading today, you know, we're doing X, Y, Z, but I also want you to focus on, did you read it with expression? And I always say, it's not that kids have to be reading aloud to focus on fluency. They can be reading in their head. You still want it to sound exciting for them to read in their head because otherwise they're like, why am I, you know, then they just aren't paying attention to it. Then they're not reading for meaning. It's not exciting to them. So again, it goes back to like, they're not going to enjoy reading. So it's just getting them to really focus on a specific skill. And you can also even do fluency strategy groups. So if like once a week, you want to have a strategy group mixed in where you're then switching around all the kids and you're saying like, these three groups are focusing on expression. These two are focusing on accuracy and you're splitting them up and you're just saying like, today we are just focusing on this. We're going to do it in short phrases first. Then we're going to do sentences. Now we're going to read it with the text. So it's really getting them to it to become an actual focus, but it's also just using your materials you already have. So it's not that you're like, oh, I have to find a book that works for accuracy, like most texts will work for most things. Like, yes, it's easier if you find something that has a lot of dialogue for, you know, expression, but it's not that you're going to be spending all this time all of a sudden, like, what am I going to do for my fluency strategy group? That's not the point. It's just like, you want them to be focused. And then the other thing you can do, reader's theater is another great way to like encourage use of expression. And a lot of times teachers will do this as like, each small group has their own play, they read through it, they practice it, and then they do it for everyone else. So that's another thing that you can do in small groups that's super useful for fluency. 
I I love that. I mean, I love just reader theaters. I think it's so fun, but I love the idea of like using that for your small group text. But I really love what you said, how it's like fluency doesn't have to be practiced out loud. Like that can be helpful for students, but ultimately it's like, we want them to be fluent when they're reading independently, even if they're reading inside their heads. You know, it's just like we want when they're reading independently to themselves, we still want it to be exciting and meaningful. We want them to have that comprehension, which means they need to have the ability to read fluently in order to have that high level of enjoyment. And of course, I also love just the, you know, the idea, I think, like of shaking up your small groups to give them like a fluency focus, whether that is once a week or once a month or even, you know, like once a quarter, whatever it is. But I think there can be so much benefit to having students, you know, in a group with other students that they're not typically grouped with, because I'm assuming then they could also benefit from like hearing other students read or, you know, that sort of like aspect as well. So I think that is such a good tip and reminder, especially the whole like fluency doesn't have to be, we want it to happen in their heads automatically. It doesn't always have to be practiced out loud. So, so many good tips. Okay. We, let's see. So fluency, uh, model it during your read aloud, focus on it during small groups. What's your third tip? Okay, next one is fluency center, fluency station, whatever you call it. So what you want to do with this is literally you can have this set at the beginning of the school year and it just lasts the entire year at the center that you do not have to change because once students know how to do it, they will be set. You can just switch out the materials used. So you can either have students listen to a recorded reading. So there's lots of different ways to do this. I mean, there's so many online things now where you can watch someone reading their own book that they wrote. You can have, you know, older students, parent helpers, other like, you know, admin or teachers from the building that want to like record themselves reading a book. You put a QR code on the book and then they, kids can listen to it after they scan it. The other part of that is there they are listening to someone who's reading fluently and then you want them to practice it themselves. So you can have them do their own recorded readings. Again, you can use pretty much any device for this. I mean, you could literally use a tape recorder if you still have access to something <laughs> like that. Recorder? What's, what's a tape yeah. recorder? <laughs> um, but just so you're getting students to then practice being fluent while they're reading on their own. And then they, the nice part of that is they can then self-assess because then they play it back and they're like, oh my goodness, I was so slow. I sound, or I sounded like a robot. I was not chunking any phrases together, that kind of thing. So it really acts as a way for them to be super aware of what they're doing where like they might you know like after they read something they might be like yeah that was totally fine and you're like (laughs) so they need that piece of being able to play it back because they need to hear what it sounds like and then there's one other activity you can do it's called change your voice and that's basically where it would be the same statement but with different punctuation so then students are just changing their voice each time so they understand what it sounds like and how your meaning changes based on how you're reading it So it gives them the understanding of like punctuation plays a big role, how your voice fluctuates plays a big role in what the meaning is. And, you know, it's like those things that you always see, like, pay attention to what you're what you're reading, like put the comma in the right spot or like that kind of thing, because it totally changes the meaning of it. So it's just a, a quick activity that allows them to see how what they are reading and how they're reading it really can make a difference. I was even thinking we just put out this new like sentence writing routine. And one of the days is where everyday students are writing a different type of sentence. So they have to write a statement and a question and a command and an exclamation that are all like related to this picture. But it's like even taking that writing activity, you could do a follow-up then where students have to then read what they wrote, but like noticing it's like when you write a statement, it's sort of neutral. When you ask a question, there's that upspeak at the end. You know, when you're reading an exclamation, there's enthusiasm. But even like, you know, when students are writing something, so it's like we don't even have to limit fluency practice to just our reading time. But if students are writing 
a variety of sentences, have them go back and practice reading and see how it's like you were saying, like the punctuation changes the way we read those sentences. So I, I love that idea of like trying to think about how can we then incorporate this fluency practice even into other parts of our instructional day. My students always loved the recording themselves and listening to them read. And it was always so funny because it's like, I had some students that were just like natural performers. They became different readers when they knew they were going to listen back to them. And I'm like, why don't you read like that all the time? Like you're so expressive. And they're like, well, I'm performing, you know, but I'm just like, no, that's how it, that's how you always should read. Like this is not just because you're going to be, you know, recording and listening back to it. But I think there is so much like power when students can hear how they sound, especially, you know, it's like they'll get over the fact that it's like, oh, my voice sounds a little bit different on recording, but it's just like, oh, wait a minute. In my head, I thought I sounded differently, but when they can actually hear their phrasing and their pacing and their accuracy, you know, I feel like it gives them just almost this like different perspective on their reading. So that is like such a powerful fluency center activity, but I love all of those suggestions that you shared. Okay. I'm loving these ideas. I know you have a few more. What's your next suggestion? Okay. So as you can tell, we're kind of like moving down the line here. So (laughs) next up is partner activities. So this is something like some teachers love partner activities. They do it all the time. Other teachers are like, I I don't mix it in. So my suggestion with this is if you don't use partner activities, just try once a month, once a week, once, you know, every other week, whatever it is to switch, like instead of literacy centers, you're going to have students pair up just with one person. And the reason for this is because you can get that you, we kind of mentioned this a little earlier, but like you can get students to hear just one peer reading fluently. So paired reading is something where you you're going to match your students up with a more capable reader. Obviously, there's going to be the kids who are, you know, the most capable. So they're with whoever, (laughs) but you want students to be able to hear that fluent reading model from someone who is their age, someone that they're around all the time, because they need to know, like, of course, they know their teachers can do it. They know their parents are capable of it. But like, they need to understand that, like, nope, kids are doing this too. So like, you can do it just as well as the adults can. So it's giving them that time to listen to a fluent reader who's their peer. So that's all they need to do in paired reading. They can get feedback from each other like, oh, I love the way you did this. Like pick one thing and then like, what's something I can improve? You know, like trying to get them to do this like critical thinking skills of like self-assessing and assessing someone else and then using that to like guide their own ability to read fluently. And then reading buddies is another thing. Like it is so fun for primary students to be paired up with a class that's an upper elementary and they meet. I mean, sometimes you do it once a month, but that's fine. It's like you have a time where they meet up in their classroom and they're just sitting next to a buddy who, again, the upper elementary kid most likely is the one who is a very capable, like fluent reader compare it to the primary kid. And you're just giving them the chance to, again, see someone in action and it's going to give them that confidence. So for the upper elementary kids, it's like, even if they're not the most fluent reader to a first grader, you're going to sound like, wow, you read that. That's so cool. So it's a confidence booster for them. So again, going back to like making kids feel like I can do this. And even if it is like, I'm now I'm impressing like a seven-year-old, whatever it is, it's like those kind of things can be so meaningful for those upper elementary kids who are really still focusing on, you know, breaking down words and reading with fluency, but it can be so helpful for both sides. I, yeah, I love that suggestion. And we did that when I was in the classroom. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's such a good fluency (laughs) practice. But I remember we had, my fourth graders were buddies with a kindergarten class. And, you know, when the teacher and I were sort of like pairing, like who's going to be the buddies, it was great because we could sort of take like the high, really fluent kindergartners and pair them with like my low fourth graders who were struggling. But my fourth graders were then able to come in and get practice reading these kindergarten texts, you know, and we're telling them you're going to read the books, like you're reading these kindergarten books, right? Because that's what the kindergartners are practicing. But it was also really good practice in a sort of like non-threatening way 
for these fourth graders to be able to get practice reading these like lower level decodable texts and have that sort of like boost of confidence because they're reading something that a kindergartner is really impressed with, but then they could hear that fluent kindergartner read as well. So it's sort of just like this really like neat opportunity where it's like, okay, everybody's getting a little bit of what they need, but they don't quite know it yet. It's almost like this sneaky sort of like teaching partnership, but yeah, reading buddies, I think are such a good idea for fluency. And I love some of these suggestions because it's like students are getting practice with fluency without you having to say, we're practicing fluency. You know, it's not like you have to have this designated time. It's like, these are all things that are going to benefit, not just fluency, but they're going to benefit comprehension and vocabulary and writing and so many parts of literacy but they're really going to have an impact on their fluency. So yeah, love that idea of the reading buddies or the partner reading. Okay. I think you've got one more tip to share and I can't wait to hear what it is. Yep. Okay. So we've reached the (laughs) the last one. (laughs) Independent reading. Okay. So everyone most likely has independent reading time built into their schedule. And again, this is just an opportunity to, like you said, it's really like they're just practicing reading, but at the same time when they're practicing reading, they're also focusing on different aspects of fluency. So Repeated reading is the best thing you can do where students are literally just rereading the same thing. So it might be a passage, it might be a book, it might be something, the most important thing, and this piggybacks on what you said with the kindergarten students, it has to be at the independent reading level. If students are working on fluency, especially if there's no one around, you need to be sure that they can get through that so they're not going so slow that they have to sound out too many words because everything else gets lost otherwise. So that's why I said like at the beginning, like accuracy is the most important thing to focus on as your priority. And then all these other things can fall in place. But basically, you just want students to be able to be reading something independently over and over again. And you can tell them like, you can focus on just this one paragraph, or I want you to read these three pages, it totally depends on the reader, but you want it to be something that they can successfully get through. So then they can feel like, oh, okay, I'm going to try it again this time, this time, I'm going to use more expression. And then I always say like the repeated reading lends itself really well to then moving to the recorded reading. So it's like once they've practiced, 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 now go to your recorded reading, record yourself on the device and then see like, oh, I still didn't do whatever, but I did do really well on, you know, decoding the words now. So it's just a matter of getting that independent reading time that you already have built into your day to say like, okay, today I want you to focus on this. And then the other one is students reading, but it's with the teacher. So you want to do like an ongoing assessment, mini assessment. This is nothing big. This is literally like, more or less because you want students to still be improving their pace. So it's not that that's the most important thing, but you definitely need them to be reading at a way that's like someone can understand them and hear them and get a lot out of it. So just doing like short one minute time readings with your students. And again, this is super valuable for students because they love the chance to be one-on-one with you or if you have another adult who they can do it with in the room. And it's just, you want to have them read to you for a minute. It's not intense it's not overwhelming. And then you just say like, okay, you did so well today. Let's talk about like what you did do. Well. I noticed that you were reading with emotion when you were reading through what the characters were doing. And then you can say like, next time, I want you to focus on going a little bit slower because it seemed like you were rushing, like whatever it is. So you just, it's a quick one minute assessment, a quick mini conference, and then you move on to the next kid. I love the whole idea of like have one, I always called it like a glow and a grow. Like what is the yeah. one glow that you did really well, but then I think too, even like everybody has students in your class that seem to be like, they're great at everything. But it's like the reality of it is, is, you know, especially with fluency, there's so many different aspects that you can always find something that students can work on. So whether it's like adding different like voices for the characters or different expression or even like variation in the pacing, like even for your advanced readers, I feel like fluency is something that you can give them a target and something to like work towards. 
I always love doing any sort of like one-on-one with my students. And I, I know so many teachers are like, okay, I'm crunched for time. Like, where do I even like squeeze that in? Do you have any tips or suggestions for teachers if they're trying to figure out a way to do those like quick fluency assessments? Like where's a good time to squeeze those into their instructional day? So you could do it during your small group time where like a lot of times I always encourage teachers to do like a one minute warm up reading. So that could literally be like, I'm going to listen to you read today. And then the next day it's next. So if there's five kids in a group, really, you could listen to all of them read by the end of the week. It's also like during independent reading time, if you are not reading with a group or you're not doing something else, have your students come back one at a time to you. So there's usually pockets in your day that students, especially at the upper elementary level, are working in an independent fashion that you're not going to take them away for long. You just need to quick like say, okay, I want you to read me. You haven't read to me yet this month, whatever it is, and then send them back and then you'll get something out of it and so will the students because it informs your teaching as well. I love that. Just it's like you said, it's helpful for the students because they know what they need to work on, but they also have that strength. But then, like you said, it informs the teacher's instruction as well, because it gives them, I mean, based off of all of your suggestions, like if you sit and listen to a student read and thinking about fluency, you sort of have targets then for your read aloud, your small group, your independent practice, your centers. I mean, this sort of can like guide and drive so much within your literacy block. So I love it. I'm so excited for my audience to have these really amazing tips to be able to implement. And like you said, they're they're quick, they're easy. This isn't going to require any sort of like extra time or planning. And I know we kind of mentioned, but I, I've had teachers ask me specifically about fluency resources. And I know, again, you said that it's like they can use any sort of any sort of text for for a teacher who maybe is like a little bit hesitant, like just what are some suggestions when it comes to like looking for good text or resources to use for fluency? Well, so you want to make sure, again, it, if you're doing it for like your read aloud, try to make sure that whatever it is that you're focusing on, you can find a book that matches it. And it, this should not be something that's, you know, taking a lot of time. But if you're wondering for like small group time or independent reading time, and you're like, I just can't find anything. I mean, you can definitely find passages that are for the students that'll work for it. But really, it's like, look around what you have in your room and just see like, oh, put a little post note on a book, like as you read it, like, oh, this will be perfect for this. Like, I think like as a teacher, it just almost happens naturally where you're always like, oh, this book would be so good for that. Like, and you'll start to see once you get in a rhythm with it, you'll be like, oh, perfect. I know which one I'm going to use. And you might even be like mid sentence reading a, a story and be like, oh, let's talk <laughs> about this. You know, <laughs> so it's like. It's not a high pressure thing. It's just a matter of like really using, you know, what you already have and applying it to all these different settings. I love it. So the moral of the story is just get started. If your students need help and practice with fluency, you don't need any special resource or special time. Just start to make it a priority and a focus during your entire literacy block. So I love it. Thank you so much for being willing to come back on the podcast. I love having you as a repeat guest and sharing all of these wonderful tips and suggestions. If my audience is not already following you, or if they have like specific questions about fluency or want to learn more, how can they find you and connect with you on the internet? Yes, my blog and Instagram, all that is literacy with Eileen Clausen. And Sarah will spell it for you in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll link to all of this in the show notes for sure. But I do have, I have tons of blog posts on fluency because as you can tell here, like this is definitely a big passion of mine. My TPT store is Eileen Clausen and I have lots of fluency resources in there, specifically fluency passages, but it's more or less like your fluency program so that you can figure out what to do with all your readers to get them going. And then I also have a brand new course all about fluency. So 
kind of what we talked about today and then just like even meatier, but that's called the fluency file. So you can also do that if you really are like, okay, I want to take fluency on and really like make it work for my students. That's awesome. And I I am so excited about your course. It's just fluency is an area that so many teachers have questions about, but I feel like there's not a ton of resources out there. So if you are wanting to learn more about fluency or wanting to check out some of these resources, we will link to her course and her fluency passages as well as her blog and Instagram. So definitely check out the show notes if you want to learn more. And again, Eileen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your tips. This has been such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. And I forgot one more thing. I do have a free fluency toolkit that Sarah will also link to. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. We love sharing freebies with our audience. So again, thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait for, I guess, our third interview. We'll have to see what, what the next conversation will be. But thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.